And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Holton. We're having a great week rolling along here into September. Dog days of summer, still in the 90s here. In the south, the tour course is rolling in in Atlanta, low 90s. Humid chance of rain. That's how we do it here in the south in the summertime. But fall is near. And you know what else is also near is the final tournament of the season. It's the tour championship. Top 30 are uh, in the field there at East Lake. Great course. Played it many times. Maybe a good test for the boys and uh, challenge all 14 clubs in the bag. And guy that's uh, on site just flew in late last night. He was dodging those uh, those late night storms as they can they can surround the Atlanta airport from time to time. And uh, he's the coach, longtime coach of uh, Tony Fina, who's currently 20th heading into the tour championship. We've been working on this for quite some time. Boyd, Summer Hayes, Boyd, I appreciate getting up. I know it was a late night for you and uh, joining the podcast here. Yeah, I'm excited to be with you, Travis. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's have some fun today. Yeah, you, uh, you know, of course, you're out west. Right, yeah. Utah, and uh, and also Scottsdale. Right, you're at, uh, correct. You teach there in Scottsdale, so you're used to the dry heat. And um, but uh, this humidity, it doesn't does it bother you any? You know, <laughs> when we landed last night, it shocked me that it was still that warm and that humid. But um, you know, I, I do like the way it feels. Growing up, I traveled a, a lot mm-hmm. and played in Florida, and and you do feel that heat. And even uh, my Oklahoma State days. You get some really humid days out there. So, you know, you, you get used to it. But coming from uh, where it was a little cooler in Utah a few days ago, yeah, it, it feels a little warm. But I, I get used to it pretty quick. Yeah, well, welcome back. And, of course, you uh, played professional golf yourself for many years. We're going to get to that. And uh, the Summer Hayes family, uh, a very popular name, done so much uh, for the game of golf. I want to talk about your uh, your grandfather and your father, Um who have uh, been very successful in this sport, your kids as well. Um, Preston, the U.S. junior champion just a year ago. So we're going to get to that, but I want to start with your man um, who is currently 20th in the FedEx Cup. Uh, You know, what a back nine on Sunday for Tony Finau at uh, Olympia Fields. I got to admit, I didn't see a 30 on the back nine um, watching those boys play that golf course. That's what he did. He had five birdies, shot 30, 65, moved up to 20, and uh, secured a spot in Atlanta. That was uh, that was pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's just been, I don't need to say it, but it's been a weird year, right? 2020, we all, uh, <laughs> we've all had our crazy stuff happening, mm-hmm. and one of them has been on the tour. You know, we didn't play a lot in the fall, just based on some scheduling, got done with the President's Cup. Uh, in December, and then he played overseas a couple times, and then all of a sudden he'd only played a few events in the fall and was a little bit, you know, behind in the FedEx Cup, and then he kind of got rolling, almost won in uh, at Waste Management, lost to Webb Simpson in the playoff, and then uh, COVID hit, and um, man, he played great golf this year, and in the end, it was still in doubt, you know, going in that back nine, like you said, he was in between 27th and 29th on the FedEx Cup, Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even reach down to 30th. And then, you know, he's played some great golf. He did that at the PGA championship. He, uh, you know, shot 66 in the final round on Sunday. And then here to, you know, regardless if it wasn't to win every player, you, you talk to him to get to Atlanta, get to East Lake and, and uh, be set up for the next year and all the majors and just, just anyone that gets to the tour championship has had a great year. They've played yeah. well and consistent and they're, there's a badge of honor there for sure for making the tour championship. And then this year, uh, a little more was added to it with uh, the season. Anyone that makes it to Atlanta will play at Maui. So there was even more on the table this year. So he was, he was pumped. Uh, he had 10 putts on the back nine, five birdies, no bogeys, uh, win or lose. It gives you confidence that, you know, he knew his season could be over if he shot a couple over Mm-hmm. And he ended up shooting five under 30 on a, on a course that obviously was playing like a major championship. And uh, yeah, he's pumped up and, uh, it, and it's exciting to um, start the week. Obviously we're well behind um, Dustin and John and some others, but anything can happen. And uh, the FedEx uh, cup is incredibly exciting. I mean, his uh, two years ago, he had a legitimate chance going in the back nine. Now he needed to shoot three or four under 
which at East Lake is really hard to do, but you know, he was in the mix to win the cup. So we'll yeah. see, we can get a couple of good first, uh, first rounds in there and see if we can close the gap and, uh, anything can happen. One of the things with, with Tony that I saw, and I want to ask you about, it was probably, I think four or five weeks ago, he was, he was messing around, like taking a full backswing and just busting his driver, you know? And it was fascinating because you look at him statistically, you know, he's 309 on average. That's 13th. Bryson's at 325. He's first. But he was like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and take a full backswing and rip it. And and it was like in the 360s, wasn't it? Like yeah. Pretty oh, yeah, consistent. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, if if Tony just kind of reached back and hit it, in, in my opinion, and tell me if I'm wrong, I've always said Tony would, if he wanted to be the longest on the PGA Tour, he's the guy that, to me, would be the longest. Well, there's no doubt about it. Like, um, you know, when he he turned pro at 17, and he went to Callaway to do some testing when he was 18. and. He was over 200 ball speed at that age, no problem. Wow. Now, the thing is, and Tony's done a great job of this, both him and his brother were really long as kids. Mm-hmm. And as he turned professional, he started realizing, wow, I got to keep it and play a lot more. And so, you know, he he definitely, he didn't intentionally shorten his swing. You know, I, I sometimes will get emails and, and people in the gallery, well, not now with COVID, but um, asking, okay, teach me that short swing. And I'm like, that's the last thing I'd ever do is shorten somebody's swing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the rare case that he was coming from 200 ball speeds as a teenager, but hitting it crooked to then reining it in. And so he obviously knows that he started to maybe, you know, hit the fairway finder a little bit too many times. And, but when you've been long before, and this, this is why I encourage kids at a young age to, try to hit it hard because if you never did it as a kid, it's hard to even get back into those motor patterns and, and be able to kind of capture that speed again. But with him, he just needs to say, okay, I'm going to start swinging hard again and going at it because he had done that for so many years growing up and swung all out. And mm. so he can get that speed back up. Now the question is, is where, which course can you really air it out like that? And, that? and that's the thing is he knows he is that long. But in the end, I mean, I, I like to say you train for speed, but when you play, you play for accuracy. I mean, golf still, and I believe always will be a precision game. The guys that are considered to be really long, if you actually have the chance to go watch and play, you know, don't let the stats fool you when Dustin Johnson's hitting 57% of the fairways. Go watch him play. See how straight he hits it. See how straight mm-hmm. John Rahm hits it. Yep. Uh, Brooks Kepka, Rory, and Tony off the tee, they hit it really straight. Um, they're not wild. And so, you know, it's that fine line of just, um, adding a little bit of distance, maybe a, what I'd call a competitive fast swing, not an all out swing because his all out swing, you know, he got to 206 ball speed that day, uh, that we posted (laughs) and, um, you know, it, it did look a little different. His swing, obviously he ends up going a little more across the line, takes it back way further and uses the ground a lot more And his golf swing. You know, everyone talks about ground force reaction and, and using the ground for force, but he doesn't, he doesn't do that a ton in his golf swing because he doesn't have to, but he's the rare case where he's six, four and his wingspan's a lot, you know, bigger than that. And he's actually just trying to find the fairway. Um, and then what happened is when he got on tour his third or fourth year, when he truly did become a great driver of the ball, where he was hitting it straight, he just realized how easy it was to score. If he could be in the mid eighties yeah. ball speed and he was hitting it straight he ended up hitting driver more when he was a rookie. He was starting to hit a little bit better in the second year, a little bit better, but still we weren't hitting enough drivers. There was too many holes where it didn't look good to him. He was hitting uh, driving irons or three woods. Well, when he started to swing a little slower, he hit it straighter. And then he used his driver a lot more drivers by far his favorite club in the bag. Mm-hmm. And I, I, he would admit that that wasn't always the case. So, there's that fine line, you know, we hit it straight enough to where you can actually use the driver even more, if that makes sense. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control 
for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, he's hitting over a little over half his fairways now, like I mentioned, just under 310. You know, he's up there in greens and regulations. So clearly at, at this speed, he's putting it in play. His miss is probably, you know, obviously playable to, to a certain degree. How much wilder does he get if he reaches back? Like if he was out there full tilt, is it like significantly wilder or is it is the miss is just that much more penalizing? You know, me and him do a podcast and he was pretty open and honest about it. It was, um, we were talking about it and he said, there, there's just some scar tissue from how crooked he hit it in mm. the past. Okay. Um, but when he used to, but he made a nice discovery a couple of months ago, we were talking about, you know, Bryson and his speed and it is a massive advantage. And I don't love the, I don't want him to leave too much speed on the table. And he doesn't either. He wants to add some more speed, and he has been doing that for sure. But the one thing I told him is that you think about a lot of the long drivers in, in, in that do it for a living the, in the long drive competitions, they're not necessarily hitting hooks. You know, there's guys that are bombing it out there hitting cuts, and that made sense as a toning. The ball doesn't know which side you're on. And if you're hitting it with the right launch angle, the right spin, and the right, you know, ball conditions, um, go ahead and let's hit some today and let's try to rip it, but only hit cuts because he does cut the ball. And he feels like when he trains, you know, in the past, when he's trained to hit it hard, he reverts back to his teenage swing and early pro swing where he would aim right, drop it way under and just throw his hands at it really hard, you know, kind of jump and Mm -hmm. flip. And yeah, that made a big difference to him where he kind of was like, wow, I actually can do this. So, when he shot the 59 in Utah, um, we, we were, you know, getting the ball numbers on a lot of his drives. Uh, he got 198 when he was playing, you know, trying to shoot a score. And so that you, I think you will in time see him continue to add a little bit of speed because he is getting confident. He doesn't hit it crooked when he's trying to hit it hard, but still cut it. He doesn't hit it wild at the Memorial in that, um, charity uh fundraiser they did where he paired up with john rom he aired yep. about quite a bit there and he was in it relatively <laughs> yes. straight so mm-hmm. to answer your question i mean he doesn't hit it that much more crooked it's just gonna be where do you hit that and when people actually see a golf course a pga tour course it's a quality event um, which almost all the courses are good on the tour uh, they're all good but yeah there's not as much space as people think you know you look at right. olympia fields uh, you're not going to try it very often there Right. Uh, TPC Boston. There was a few holes he could have tried it. Now it's, you know, number 18. Mm-hmm. You saw when DJ was going to shoot the 59, hopefully, you know, he hit a driver, but it ran into a little collection area, some, you know, fescue or whatever. So I think maybe a Tory Pines excites me. I think he could air it out a bunch there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think uh, it's definitely a goal of his. He's talked about a lot. He wants to be the first guy that hits 200 ball speed in competition. So I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> um, it'll probably have to be next season because you, anyone that's been out to East Lake, that's not going to be a place he's going to no. try, try it. But I do think he will get 200 ball speed, be the first on tour to do it because it, it's something that uh, he's put in his mind and, and he'll do it. Yeah, it's, he, and he can just flip the switch uh, and do yeah, it. I mean, he, it's, and he it's, can. You're right. He yeah. can flip the switch. He has that other gear um, because he's the rare person that actually, you know, I. I remember watching Tiger Woods play a college event in Utah at Riverside Country Club at, at BYU's event, and he was so long it was crazy. Um, now he did hit it more crooked, and then he reined it in as he, you know, got on tour and he had those few years on tour where he actually hit it straight, um, mm-hmm. and he was dominant. I think Tony's coming from so much speed and length that, you know, he can rein it in, but then he can snap back into bomb mode pretty fast too. So yeah. I think you get him a couple of tournaments that have a few holes that are wide open and, and he'll do it. And I do think Tory Pines, you know, has yeah. a couple, a couple of looks where he, you can just smash it. And he loves yeah. that course, loves that tournament. So it wouldn't be, now obviously the temperature is not going to be conducive to 
doing 200 ball speed, but you know, he, he'll, he'll let it rip on some courses that are a little wide, more wide open. Yeah. That'll be, um, that'll be fun to see. And I guess, you know, it's the net effect to like the approach game too, right? Cause you start 100%. lengthening out the driver swing and what does that mean to the approach game? And you can't sacrifice that. We know how important that is. And, you know, you can make the argument with Bryson that, you know, his approach game as of late has struggled. His distance obviously is up, but the approach game has declined to a certain degree, at least statistically. So there, there's a lot to consider, you know, when you're trying to tell someone, hey, let's get to that 200 ball speed just because you can, right? There's uh, there's more to the game and, and obviously keeping the ball in front of you and letting the approach game go to work is is everything on the PGA Tour. You know, statistically, boy, you look at Tony, he's you know, off the tee strokes gain, he's 24th approach. He's 18th around the green. He's 34th putting 74th just continues to get better. Exactly. Something that's been brought to his attention. The media a lot has been, you know, the one win that he has, you know, and which was 2016 Puerto Rico open and, and Tony's always on the leaderboard. How much do you guys talk about that? What do we need to do now to get that next win? I mean, I think, you know, he's a professional athlete and and he's one of the top players in that sport. I don't I don't think you can sugarcoat it and say that it's not something he doesn't think about now. Mm-hmm. You know, the too much time's gone by between his last win and he and he's such a great player. And I think it's a combination too, because he is so well liked. I think he genuinely has. I mean, people like you that openly admit, hey, I'm a Tony fan, right? I think people love how he goes about it. They love his story. He's a humble kid. He in, in success or failure, he handles himself with class, uh, and people genuinely want him to win. He feels that, and I'm sure he mm-hmm. wants to obviously win for himself and his family and his team. But you know, he wants to win for the fans too. I think the media, I honestly think they've been really fair with him. I think they just think a lot of his game, and and um, I, I think you have to take it as that. If you get to the point where you're starting to feel like, you know. I don't want to say sorry for yourself, but feeling like the media is coming down on him for another win. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think they, yeah. they, they it's all support. It's all love. It's all um, belief. You know, people think he's really good, rightfully so. He's been there. And I think the two, the two events that, you know, Tony obviously look, even after that stuff has come up, you know, 66, the PGA championship on a Sunday. Um, Colin Marikawa, he, in my opinion, he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer. He did Hall of Fame stuff, and that could go down on number 16. That drive is one of the greatest shots of major championship history. You know, he beat a lot of people that day with that shot, right? Um, when Xander beat Tony in the playoff or at, at um, the World Golf event in China a few years ago, Tony had the fourth. He had a three-shot lead and shot the fourth best score of the day. Usually that'll mm-hmm. get it done. Xander, I believe, also will go down as a Hall of Famer. Xander birdied 17, 18, and 18 again in the playoff to beat him. Webb Simpson birdies 17, 18, and 18 again in the playoff. He will go down as a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, as well. So those those situations there, um, you know, China and waste management, those definitely sting because it's like you probably did enough to win, but you didn't win, and it hurts, right? Um, I think – He'd admit that the Memorial this year, um, John Rahm played amazing, but Tony did at one point have a three or four shot lead late in Saturday, you know, after number 10 or 11. And that one did get away, but that's really uncharacteristic for him. He ends up usually performs pretty well. And, you know, he's just gotten beat a few times and bottom line, um, he knows it. He needs to make some more putts on the, on the, on Sunday or on the back nine on Sunday. And, He's been starting to do that a lot more. You look at his putting stats and someone may say, oh, man, 70. Did you say 74th or 71st? Um, 74th. 74th. He started the season. He he had like one of the worst putting weeks of his career in Las Vegas. And then he didn't play a lot of events. And um, he was outside the 200s for three, four months of the season. He's been putting. He's been putting very well. He He is a good putter. He's one of the best lag putters on tour. He went 333 holes. Um, eight and a half tournaments someone posted, you know, just a little bit ago without a three putt. So it, it will happen as long as he just stays patient and just keeps mm-hmm. doing, doing his thing. Because I, I, I don't suspect it'll become an issue. Everyone talking about it. I think that's all healthy. That's just a, a sign that people think he's got a lot of game. And that's what I've encouraged him to look at. And then also he's 30 years old. It took him six years to get to the tour. 
he had some things in his game that were probably keeping him from getting on the tour. And I think people just kind of forget truly his journey. He didn't win the U.S. Junior like Jordan Spieth twice. He didn't uh, shoot 65 when he was 16 like Justin Thomas in a tour event. He didn't shoot 60 in a tour event like Patrick Cantley when he was 19 or 20. And, you know, he's he's a guy that people can really resonate with because he just he got a little bit better each year to his credit. Um, he's young, but he kind of was a journeyman how he came onto the tour. Mm. He was 17 when he turned pro. He didn't get on tour till he's 24 took him seven years so i think he's 30 he's super long so that means he's going to be around if he wants to be if he's motivated and he just wants to be till he's 45 50 he can be relevant so if he just kind of just keeps doing his thing then the wins will stack up and he'll look back and think man remember boyd when everyone just thought i couldn't wasn't going to get that second win or they're bagging on me and i don't i don't look at i'll take that back i don't feel like people bag on him i think they're very kind and yeah i mean it is what it is. You're going to get some negativity and, and, and some people saying, you know, that he can't, he's not getting it done on Sundays. When in reality, if you look at, you know, his, his history over six years, he's had a lot of great Sundays and his peers, you know, his teammates at the president's cup, Ryder cup, and people look at his major championship record. Uh, trust me, he can handle pressure. He can handle the heat. He shows up and, uh, if anything, that narrative with some more wins will actually turn into Tony's a clutch player. You, Bryce yeah. DeChambeau, he just had his first mate, uh, top 10 in a major championship at Harding Park. Yep. Tony's had a top five in every major now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taken fifth of the Masters, took fourth of the PGA, took um, you know third at uh, the Open Championship, and as well at um, the Masters took fifth. Um, he's had seven top 10s. He took top 10 in his first, uh, his rookie year at PGA mm-hmm. championship. So he loves the big, big stage. He performs well under pressure and, uh, he, he just needs to add some wins to the calm, you know, when, when calm and anyone that's been out here knows how hard that is too. Yeah. I do think that that's, that's one thing is, you know, you look at the first playoff event in Boston, um, who shot 19 under can't, I can't remember. It's not coming to Harris. the top of my head. Harris. I mean, did he do enough to win? Yeah. Did he win? Nope. He <laughs> lost by 11. So PJ tour is an amazing you know, product right now. There's some amazing players. It's super competitive. And Tony just, uh, and I've told him this, his pursuit of getting, getting his second win, obviously it's annoying to him too. He wants it. He's very competitive. I think people misunderstand because he is so calm on a golf course and he, he carries himself with a lot of uh, class and maturity. And some people don't think that the fire burns is, is strong in him as it does some other players. Trust me, it, he wants to win really bad. That's what he plays for. But the pursuit of the second win has actually made him look at more parts of his game, more in depth. Mm. And so in the end, him not getting that second win maybe as quick or as easy as we we had hoped may in the end make him a better player because I think when you, you know, it, it's not just, it's just not timing. It's not just saying, okay, it, it'll happen. Let's just keep getting better. Let's yeah. keep making more putts from inside of 10 feet. Let's get a little bit better wedge game. Let's look at little areas of the game that in the end will produce another win instead of just saying, Hey, it just wasn't my time. It wasn't meant to be. That's not really something we say a lot. It's just, let's get Mm -hmm. more skilled. Let's get better. And uh, then the wins will stack up. So in, in the last year as he's, he keeps on knocking on the door. I mean, I see parts of his game that have gotten so much better, like 3M. I was, I was caddying for him, just filling in for the week while he figured out, you know, which caddy he was going to use moving forward. And, historically you look at where he's played good major championships tough golf courses where par means something well and mm-hmm. he went and played in detroit and he played terrible but it was just his wedges were not good enough on really soft greens they were just spinning back too much on him well it bugged him and the next week when we were in town we worked three four hours on just wedges and he at 3m that was a birdie fest he hasn't historically done great on birdie fest well, that was the first time that he had a chance to truly win on a course that was a birdie fest. So it's like he keeps on seeing these little holes in his game. He wants to win, but he knows he just needs to keep on getting more skilled and keep on putting himself in those positions. And, you know, he almost wins at 3M. And then, 
you know, his putting stats just continue to get better and better. And so he, he's, he's working on the areas he needs to, to, to get that next win. And, and in the end, it, he's going to have a long career. This is his sixth. It'll, it will be going into his seventh season. And like I said, he's so long and he's healthy. He's hungry. He can play another 15 years, you know, 20 years. Why not? You know, it's hard to believe, you know, he's already gotten a Ryder cup presence cup top five in every major seven top tens and major championships. He does have a win. He has a win on the corn Ferry tour. He's been in his fourth, you know, tour championship. His career is going to look pretty darn good in 10, 15 years. And I think we'll look back and think, oh, that was kind of a weird couple of years where you played pretty darn good, but didn't get a win. Yeah. So it is what it is. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, the the junior golf and, you know, winning all the events in the college and building on that into his professional career, right? Like, I know you won a ton of junior events when you were young. Um, your son is winning junior events. Like, that has a lot of value, right? Like winning for young and then carrying that feeling into professional golf. Is it, would it be fair to say perhaps, you know, as a, as, as a result of that with Tony, we could be looking at very much a late bloomer here. Well, I mean, he, he won, he was great as a junior golfer as well. Okay. You know, he won junior world when he was 12, he won a Utah state amateur when he was 16 but he turned pro so young, he took a lot of lumps, you know, just mm. there was some growing pain. So I guess that's what I was meaning. He, he, he's been a winner his whole life. And so he wanted the junior level, obviously didn't have the college or amateur career because he, he just turned pro, but he won on the corn Ferry, and now he's won on the PGA tour. But no, I do think it does matter how people's journey to the tour happens, you yeah. know, like Colin Marikawa, Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, they just turn pro like at the perfect time when their their game is so ready. So when they get out here, Colin and Wolf and Hovland, they never doubt the rest of their career whether they were good enough. Tony took six years to get to the tour. They yeah. probably had some pretty lonely moments on you know, on the road, driving tournament to tournament to save money. You know the whole you know taking the sec- first or second place in a mini tour event and hardly making any money like. He's, you know, I, that's why he's been so successful on the PJ Tour, though, yeah. is because his journey was so unique and it and it gave him so much experience that when he was a rookie, I told him, I said, "You aren't no rookie on the PJ Tour. Like you're 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 a seven year pro. You've had a lot of great experience that you're going to be able to draw on." But, um, you know, I think he'd readily admit that some of the young kids, holy cow, some of their games that I can't even imagine how good. Jordan's beaten. I mean, Jordan, Jordan went one on the tour when he's 19. That's just incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, and Justin Thomas, I mean, he's won how many times now? Already 12 or 13 or something 13, like that. I believe, it's like, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's amazing. So I, I think with, with Tony, he just is getting started, though. Like he is well around again. When you look at why he finishes, you know, so for the last three, four years. He has distance, which means he can get out of the rough. He can spin the ball into firm greens, tough pins. Yep. He's a great iron player. He can chip. He can putt. You know, he he has so many skills that it's hard for him not to play. He's not going to be on with <laughs> yeah, every right? skill set. Like last week was a weird week for him. He didn't hit it good. He was third in putt fifth based on his just he, he just putted really nice the first day and the last day and that was enough for him to have a top five finish in a playoff event on a on a major championship course so let, let me let me ask you about his putting because i've been saying all year i was like Fino's improving putting i mean yeah, he is yeah, sure. really becoming a much better putter um you know last year he was 125 this year he's 74th and so talk to, talk to me about what you guys have done there. And then specifically about that, that grip, I get a lot of questions about Finau's putting grip, that left wrist really, you know, unhinged. And then, you know, a bit of the pencil trail hand. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. We call it the chopstick, but pencil works too. But yeah, Perfect. Yes, he, yes. yeah he just, he's got such big hands, like some, <laughs> you know, like I remember when I first started working with him almost eight years ago, he had an, really 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 weak i mean it really his left hand still weak but is he strengthened up his right hand a ton but um he just he has there his hands are massive so when he 
went to do this, uh, you know, we'll call it the chopstick. Mm-hmm. It just felt comfortable to him. It's just something that he he went with. But um, as far as his putting, statistically, and I knew this just from watching him play early on, I was like, wow, he has great touch. You know, he hits these putt, lag putts really solid. He obviously has good imagination. But I, lag putting skill, his, his, I mean, we're talking, it, it's probably been a skill set for 10, 15 years. But lag putting is a different art than short putting i think as it gets into shorter putts i think it's more about hitting your line on a lag yeah you got a read and you have to have the right touch but you can you can miss your your start line by a little bit that's still going to be he's going to get it down in two right so mm-hmm. you know i think a lot of players on tour are great lag putters you know the worst worst putter on tour considering if you're looking at lag putting he three putts one time around we're not talking a public golf course the greens slower and they're not very undulated uh, three putting only once around for for a pretty golfer on tough greens wouldn't be too bad average guys every other round and then the best three putts every third round and got these crazy records of guys going freddie jacobson 528 holes luke donald when he got to world number one like 480 holes and tony did 333 holes just recently um wow. he's been a great lag putter for a long time and then so then we could it's easy just to focus on probably 10 feet and in that's where the putts you know when when you think of strokes game statistic that so many people take a close look at now and are able to truly judge how well they putt you miss an eight footer, you miss you're you're losing the half a shot to the field on the PGA tour. You miss a five footer, you're losing almost a shot, point eight. I mean, it's you gotta be able to make your putt inside of ten feet. And he's just done it. He just put more time into it. He's a humble kid. He's not he understands where some of the areas he can get better at. And it's just putting the time in and getting better at it. So um I think uh you saw that little last round of made some great putts the back nine and obviously here this last event fields to get into the tour championship he put a great on the back nine and it's more like that it's like tiger woods he i don't some people are like saying well he's statistically maybe not one of the best putters of all time okay yeah i grew up i'm i'm 41 tiger he was my golfing idol i watched his whole career uh, anyone that doesn't put him in the top five putters of all time is crazy because of when he made oh, yeah. his putts. His putts weren't, you know, my brother, Daniel Summerhays, he was a top 10 putter statistically for mm. years. Over 10 years, he was a top 10 putter. Um, Tiger Woods was making his putts to win tournaments, to get into Torrey Pines. He makes the 12-footer that looks like bumpy, and how can it go in? He makes it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He just makes um, I think Tony's starting to make some big putts on the back nines on Sundays, and it's going to do a ton for his confidence. And I think the putts uh, December um, at the Presidents Cup, you know, coming down the stretch, those all start to go in the memory bank, and it just makes yeah. you a better putter just from making big. But I'm talking, alluding a little bit of people's pedigrees, tour, what they did in the past, why, how it has an, an effect. Well. Those things have an effect. Those big putts, um, you know, to to win the cup, and then you know, by his matches, and then he makes those putts at Hardy Park on the back nine. He makes putts to get in the playoffs on the back nine. Putting stats are getting better. Stats are getting better. He's making more clutch putts on Sundays on the back nine, and that's those. I mean, sports are so much confidence, and he's got some great images in his head right now, of making some clutch putts. Yeah. So he's going to draw on that for sure yeah that, that's what it feels like right it's just that mm-hmm. situational for sure make that make that putt you know like tiger did and that's that's the difference it like you said it, it's going to happen because he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses he continues he to put himself he's going to put himself in the tournament in the hunt different ways because he's so rounded like one part of his game could not be quite he could have a c game here but yet he's so good still over here like you know, he, that's the world-class player that he is. Like he can, he can beat you. Um, he can get there a number of different ways. And now it's just situationally getting over the hump. And I think when he does, the confidence will flow. And that's just yeah. as a coach and, and, and as a friend and someone that's been 
on his team for so long. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Tony, listen, do I want you to get your next win? Of course. Do you want it? Fans want it. Take that. Be flattered. Media saying you should have more. Be flattered. Like, take it in a positive way. You know, don't go down that route where, you know, some kind of guys kind of get, feel like they're getting beaten up in the media. Well, they're talking about you for a reason. It's because they think you're really, really good. And, and it the wrong way because it's all, if you look at it, it's all flattering. It means that you're relevant. It means that, you know, of you. And in the end, that's where you have to look. You have to have your short-term goals, but then your long-term goals. And I just, I, I, I caddy for him a few events. He was a rookie. He just was transitioning on tour. And he's a pretty brilliant guy, golf IQ-wise. And he's like, boy, I'm playing. Or just come caddy for me a few events because I just know I need to out there. That's it. And and we're obviously very comfortable with each other. We know each other. So I caddy a few events on tour. Uh, we had two seventh place finishes. So obviously playing really good. He took seventh place. I was right there on the bag the whole time. Well, I caddy for him where he takes third at the three. And we get done. Obviously he doesn't he's disappointed. I just said, Tony. It's crazy how much better you've gotten over the last seven years. And I caddied for him when his, his previous caddy, Greg Bodine, he led like three, mm-hmm. four years ago. So I caddied for him his rookie year, 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 a few times, and then just recently. And it's like, Tony, you're really doing this thing. I mean, you're not even the recognize your game anymore. You're just good at everything. And and that's credit to him. And, and uh, sometimes in trouble, I think it's good to look at the facts, not not base things on emotion, but just look back and say, okay, you know, I'm 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 a far better player than I ever ever been. I'm getting better every year, and and, and that will add up to win. So, you know, I love where his game's at. I love how hungry he stayed, and that's probably just his journey, like we talked about. When you take six yep. years to get to the tour, and you and your teeth on the main course, traveling all over the country, and and um, you just you build a toughness, and I think his just life story, you know, has built a lot of you know toughness. He has a lot of faith, and you know he's been through some tough things in his life, losing his mother, you know, when he was you know twenty four or so, and that. I just think that he gets to the tour, and the uh, he's just hungry. Seven years later, he just hasn't slowed down. He puts a ton of work into his game, and if he keeps Stay hunger for the next seven years, then I do often say wins just stack. Yep. You know, and I don't see him slow on, you know, desire well from what I've seen at all. Well, you got the tour champ um, this week, and then, well, the season just starts right on over yeah. the next week. Yeah. And, you know, we go Safeway, and then it's the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Uh, and then it goes to Corrales, Utakana Resort and Club Championship, Sanderson Farm, Shriners. And then the two that just were moved back to the States in October, the CJ Cup will be at Shadow Creek, Zozo at Sherwood. Then it's Bermuda, Houston Open, and then the Masters. We got two majors. What, what, how much is Tony going to play? Obviously, he's going to play the U.S. Open and the Masters, but is there a couple others sprinkled in? Uh, we were talking about um, yesterday. He'll get down with the season here, take a, take a week off and get ready for wing foot, play wing yeah. foot, and then take a two week break and just, he's played a lot, you know, he played yeah. a lot coming out of the quarantine and then the West coast lines up perfect for him. Vegas is his closest event to where he grew up in Utah. Mm. He lives in the summer. Uh, now he's got two events in Vegas and then he hasn't played that course, but he's going to love it. You know, Tiger always did well there. And, yep. and um, it's a great course. So that, that works out great for him as far as events in a row on the West coast. And then he'll, uh, he he wants to play the week before the Masters, so okay. most likely Houston and, and the Masters. And then besides, he wants to play Mike but He has enjoyed playing that in the past. He's had some finishes, and he takes his family usually down there, and they have a good. So that's probably mm-hmm. what I see him doing the rest of the year. And then, um, yeah, start back over after the new off. And uh, but he is in good shape. He, the players got the rear. You never get a break like that in your whole career. Where um, I think the 
was good for him. It was reset mentally, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. And he took that time to probably, you know, I mean, he's in as good a physical shape as I've ever seen him. Mm-hmm. And so he has been able to, to withstand all this play. I mean, he's played a ton, but um, I think he'll be looking forward to a little break after, uh, after the masters, after the masters. Yeah, yeah I, bet. I do. I do. But. Yeah, I'm sure as as will most of these players. Uh, you got a couple a couple minutes. I want to ask you a couple questions uh, sure. about your yeah, about your family and yeah. um and your kids. As as you yeah. know, I uh, I on um, Instagram and I uh, the videos of your kids playing. I feel like I'm in the gallery yeah. watching and like cheering for them to make putts. You know, like like I'm watching golf on TV and you know the power of Instagram. It's it's uh it's fun, you know, cause you, you feel closer to people that you're not there with, but right. yet, you know, you're kind of following their journey as I have with your kids. And, um, you know, your, your last name obviously is deeply enriched uh, in the game. Your grandfather Prez, uh, was a golf coach at Utah. Yep. And then your dad, Lynn, he played collegiately. And I believe he was, was he was the president of, um, Utah junior golf association. Yeah. Yeah, obviously your uncle, your, uh, uncle Bruce, you know, Longtime tour player, one on the Champions Tour. His daughter played the LPGA Tour, right? Her name was Carrie? Yeah, Carrie. Yep, Carrie Roberts. Um, Your brother Daniel played, you know, many years on the PGA Tour. You know, and you were a great player. Boyd, you played, um, you know, I I believe, you know, a year or two on the, or 29, 30 events on the PGA Tour. He played on the Corn Ferry Tour. So you guys have been around forever. Now here are your kids, Preston, Grace, all accomplished players, um, love the game. I have this thing I do Sunday Kids Day. A lot of kids post their swings, a lot of parents on the site. We got a lot of questions about it. Um, and, and I figured I would just ask you, if you, if you don't mind, what, what advice as the son, right, and grandson in yeah. the game, and now as a dad, um, whose kids love the game. What, what's a couple things you would give parents advice on helping them with their journey in the game, whether just kind of getting started or maybe they're into the game. What are, what are a couple things that you, you find helpful as a parent? I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy journey from, like you said, I've my dad was my coach. He was, he was Daniel's coach growing up and, and uh, he did things and I was able to kind of take those with me there's maybe I think that we could have done a little bit differently tried to change a little kids but you know the the great thing was um, I I knew my dad loved me more than the golf piece I knew that I could feel it the time commitment he put into it um and so then I was I was more I was okay with some criticism here and there or to him pointing out some things. Now he was my coach. Some parents that just aren't coaches. I just tell them like, don't, don't nitpick your child's performance. Get a coach, mm-hmm. get a team you believe in and, and you need a part that's the, 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 you know, resources, the money, um, the encouragement, the, the constant in their life. You know, if, if a kid always knows, whether he plays good because it's a really tricky thing if i'm if i act way different when preston or grace can't have success um i almost overvalue man i'm just happy just because you want right um i i want to be where i'm i've been there at greatest moments and i've been there at some tough moments for them and i would mm-hmm. hope they'd look back and say wow those were really important that you were there as a parent in both both those scenarios but I think to parents, I just always ask yourself, does my kid want me around? It's a simple question. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, and when they, and when I'm around, do they look over my sh- your shoulder like, and we know which parents we're talking about. And, and some people that's an eye opening, you know, maybe recognition that, you know, my kids do not look over their shoulders. If they're looking over their shoulders, they're like, where is dad? Where is he? You know, like, I want him to be out there. It's not like, oh gosh, I hope he didn't see that decision and that bad shot. And we're not talking about this forever. I think kids, I mean, they look up to us so much. They want to make us proud. And you understand that they're looking out of that lens. 
want to make us proud as parents. And so there's already a lot of pressure there. Then if they have a good work ethic and if they are competitive by nature, all those elements add up to where there is plenty on their shoulders when they go and compete and won't be a negative pressure. And so I, I just, you know, want to be there. You guys have to have a chat and figure out why not and fix that because I think and that's a shame too. I don't love that when, when kids keep their parents out of it because uh, that hurts me. I will, you know, I just, that just means you guys need to, and that could be in the start of a great thing where kid gets right. to put some things on the table, the parents get to give their perspective and move on. But just honestly, no kid wants to get done with the round and from a non-expert. So I, here's the thing. This is what I do for a living. I played for a living and I coach some of the best players in the world for a living. Do I what I want to say to them? Coach, sure I do. But even that, me being that, it is my background. My kids don't want to talk about what they did the whole time. And yeah. Michael Jordan was pretty famous. Ten and he was on to the next and i've used that with my kids it's like mm. now i'm not gonna say i haven't broken that rule time to time but i've regretted it every time and mm-hmm. I've made that mistake in, in several years maybe when Preston was a little younger and i had less experience with teaching my own i was in sports but in general if you are going to say something you know you better be able to see a lot of the good they did that day then they'll be more willing to hear some criticism or some points where that could have been better. But once again, I'm saying that's if you're their coach, if you're not there, I don't, I don't love that dynamic. You know, it ends up being where a kid just dreads the drive home and the drive Mm -hmm. homes with my kids have been some of the best moments where we're, you know, just chatting and relaxing and having fun. And, you know, Jack Nicholas, I remember on an interview, his dad was, and Jack was already a really good player and his dad was, you know, around and a couple of things that were happening, and you know, Jack just said, "Dad, we're not talking all. I don't. We're, we're not doing that." You know, and and I think that's important that it's so hard as parents because I get it. We invest so much in love and death. We know our kids so well, so it makes us feel like we're just to critique them all the time. And I think when you lose sight of that and you're crit- over critiquing all the time. Instead of letting the coaches be the, the you're paying hope, critique them, They'll give them yeah. honest feedback on what's going on. And you have a team. Now, geez, the teams are getting bigger and bigger. You got a putting coach, you got a swing coach, you got a trainer. You're telling me that the team you put them around them isn't going to tell them what they should be doing? That's probably enough. And the parents should sit back and really try to enjoy your, your kid's journey. And I think one thing I'll give advice to is don't. Don't over uh, don't don't want it so bad for them that you think that they're supposed to do good all the time. I mean, Preston's done some amazing things. Won the U.S. Junior. He's won the Utah State Amateur twice. He was the youngest ever to do that. He's the youngest to ever win the Sunny Hannah. There's been some great winners of the Sunny Hannah, one of the biggest amateur events in the world. One, Colin Mar, Ricky Fowler, be his record. Well, he's had some bad moments just recently at the U.S. Amateur. Well, he doesn't make triple bogeys. He doesn't. He mm. doesn't give into pressure. He doesn't make mistakes like that. He just. He's always been a horrible performer. He hit a bad shot at the wrong time. All of a sudden, twenty minutes later, it's a triple bogey. He's sitting in the room. It's like, you know, he's crushed. And hey, the ups and downs. I mean, he had so many of those moments from the ages of ten to now that actually have helped a great player know how to mm-hmm. handle, know how to handle disappointment. So it's um it, you can't run from that kind of stuff. You can't always want it to be great. That's just not natural progression. That's yeah. And want your kid not to have the ups and downs. So that's some of the advice I you yeah. know minute rule. Don't over don't over talk these tournaments with them. You know, a kid guess what? He should know really quick what went wrong. If you want to make some points, do it in less than 10 minutes. Um, don't 
ask yourself, is my kid dreading getting in the car for this 30 minute drive home with me? And then ask yourself, does my kid want me to be there watching these tournaments? And I always say this to myself for all the mistakes I made, you know how healthy it is for when we do make mistakes as a parent, just to say sorry to your kid. It gives them confidence that, you know, we don't always think we're right because we're not mm-hmm. mistakes. There's a, there's a couple of times where I wish I could have a, a couple things back with my kids and we openly and honestly can talk about it. It's fine. If Preston ever did a podcast and said, one moment, your dad, you know, both wish you, you know, you had you know which one he talked and I'd be totally fine with that because that would be helping mm-hmm. other parents realize, Hey, even me that I think some people look up to me as how I've been a balance coach my kids and being their, their parent. I've made plenty of mistakes, but I did say I have really dark for the kids that made mistakes. And then you learn from it and, you and then I think even your kid starts to actually, that I'm sorry that I, you know, it's really cool. Once you can say, sorry, right? your kid reacts to you differently. So mm-hmm. those are a few that I'm no expert at it. I'm just still trying to get better <laughs> experience, but from, from some of the successes, that is a hundred percent of what I would say. Yeah. Well, it's, that's, um, that's, that's great advice. I, I, I love the question of, you know, do, do my, do your kids want you around? Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's a simple question, but I think it, it, it hits home and being able to admit that, look, I don't have all the answers. And you know, once in a while you're in the fault, you've got to say you're sorry as a parent. And, um, but there are the ups and downs and being there for both of them, the football Not just season golf, but is less than is, 10 uh, days away is, with the reigning champs have to take the field to kick my off this season. Um, there is no better Instagram, place to get in on uh, all of the action golf, than with DraftKings, the leader and, um, in one-day fantasy great stuff. sports. I love watching your kids play. To celebrate play. week one of the football and, season, um, DraftKings is just one of the good guys, Boyd, in the center of the action with two shots. At a one million podcast here, Shane. So get in You're on all of the action as a, as a, now. A Making it rain and, with DraftKings is and, easy. And uh, bringing up those Draft great kids, team. but also the coach cap, Tony Finau. Pile and, um, up points for yards, here's to touchdowns, a second win. and maybe, so much more. You know what? More. I'd like to see it this On top of that amazing as offer, DraftKings is giving Tony's away a share fan. of I would to I just tell him let's just go ahead and wait in and prizes get it to all users who enter awesome. their free <laughs> that, that, that would be else. He does feel good. All you have to do is sign yeah. up for DraftKings. Pretty cool. Enter their survival and instantly get a share of up to one hundred million dollars in giveaways. Enjoy all this cash up for grabs. There's no better place to get in on all of the actions than with DraftKings. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code Travis to get a free shot at a million-dollar top fries. And for a limited time, get your share of $100 million in prizes once you enter DraftKings' free Survivor Pool. That's promo code Travis to get in on all of the action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum $5 deposit required. Other terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.